Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, everybody in the world. It is great to be with you. I am Father Craig Vosick. I'm coming to you live. From the University of Mary atop a hill south of Bismarck, overlooking the beautiful Missouri River Valley, and it is sunny and beautiful. I'm so delighted to be able to host this battle. It feels like a very long time. Last time I was on, I wasn't really on. I was uh, leading the uh, North Dakota March for Life from the Capitol. We had some live programming, which was great, and I'm just delighted to be with you all today. We have a great show. We have some in-person action here (laughs) at the University of Mary, which is great, and then we'll be cruising around the, the state of North Dakota for the most part today, so... Wherever you are, you're going to find out some great information. Let's start with a prayer asking the Lord to bless our time and to bless those who might be hearing us today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, your goodness, your, your life over us, your word spoken over us. We thank you for the great gift it is to be known by you and to be found within the arms of Holy Mother Church. We ask that you would bless us, bless this time. Bless all those ears and hearts that are searching for you and might come across you and your word uh, through Real Presence Radio in this time and in all times. We ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, well, well. Dr. Brodeur and Dr. Kilpatrick, welcome. Thank you for having us. Yep. Wonderful. Dr. Brodeur. Okay, so uh, everybody out there. We've got two rock stars in the house from the University of Mary, um, and they're going to tell us a little bit about themselves. Dr. Bordeaux, tell us a little bit about yourself here. Uh, well, I was born at St. Joe's Hospital in Dickinson, North Dakota, and I grew up on a ranch in uh, North Dakota, um, and then uh, my family moved to Minnesota. So I never know where to say where I'm from, <laughs> the upper Midwest. You're from the University right. of Mary. There you go. <laughs> Great, yeah. and what's your role here at the university? I uh, am a professor of Catholic Studies and History. Okay, uh, I'm going to ask you what Catholic Studies is in a minute, but Dr. Kilpatrick? I'm as opposite as Dr. Berder could be. I'm from Los Angeles, California. Wow, yeah, that's different. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an import. I have huh? no farm experience or <laughs> ranch experience. Uh, I've been here for seven years, but I teach in English and Catholic Studies. Okay, so who would like to tell me what in the world is Catholic Studies? For those who are listening, like, what does that even mean? Well... Uh, there's a number of ways you could talk about it, but um, one of the ways that I often tell my freshmen is that it is the study of the impact of the incarnation on human thought, mm. on human culture, mm. and on daily life. Mm. And so we look at all the ways that uh, Christ's incarnation, his redemption, uh, has impacted the world of art, the world of literature, mm. history, mm. architecture. Uh, we look at it all. And um, so I I don't know, maybe, Nathan, you have a... Sure. Yeah, uh, what I usually add to that, um, it's a similar definition I give freshmen through seniors, but I <laughs> mm-hmm. add to that that um, a lot of what we're trying to do is just recover and, and reinforce the Western tradition that is mm-hmm. often forgotten in contemporary education, that I often compare it to a farmer who's starving but who has oil uh, 
wells in their field mm. that there's so much richness there that they're not even aware of. Mm. And we're just trying to help them plumb the depths of what they already have to begin mm-hmm. to understand it. Uh, the Catholic tradition particularly, but then in relationship to the whole of the Western world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so for people that are listening, it's not simply, oh yeah, it's a Catholic university, they have theology classes. That's it's, right. not, it's not just that. That's right. Uh, it would, I mean, theology would be a part of Catholic studies, I would imagine, but uh, in a way, you know, in a mm-hmm. fundamental way. But uh, Catholic studies is how this really, how this engages with the rest of mm-hmm. the world, the rest of thought, the rest of all these things, well, which is great. All right. So let's, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, today we want to talk about a number of things. But first, let's talk about the importance of liberal arts education in the Christian tradition. Yeah, it's kind of our baby. Uh, we brought it to the West. Um, what is liberal arts? What are the liberal arts? Yeah, well, let's start there, right? Progressive, uh, democratic <laughs> things. Is that what, li- I mean, when I hear liberal, I mean, I, I don't know. Is that what it is? Right. I think we have to kind of set aside our our preconceptions, right? Our modern preconceptions of what the world word liberal means. Sure. It, we're not talking about politics, okay. um, but it has rather its, its uh, meaning located in the Latin word liberal, which just means the thing that is appropriate for a free man or the thing which makes us free, mm. frees our mind in a way. Um, and so the liberal arts are those arts which are appropriate to somebody who is free or who wants to be free. Um, and so, for um, for the Western tradition, this meant studying um, grammar, rhetoric, logic, being able to think clearly, speak clearly, read and communicate clearly and beautifully. Um, so those were some of the liberal arts. And then the other ones were like uh, arithmetic, um, astronomy, astronomy, music, music poetry, yeah. all of these things that... Um, that the ancients felt revealed something about the reality and the truth of the universe. And that if you study all of these things, you can come to glimpse or glimmer how the, how the truth of the world can um, be understood and related to one another. Yeah, what, what maybe we could add to that is all of those liberal arts are rooted in this idea of leisure. Um, it, it, it's what frees you from the mundane concerns of the everyday world, if you think about only sort of earning enough money to make uh, your bills on time, to pay your bills on time, to make enough money for your family to eat, that increases the amount of anxiety in your life. And, and because the liberal arts are rooted in leisure, they're an attempt to get you out of the mundane concerns into this kind of deep mm-hmm. contemplation of reality itself. Right. So each of the liberal arts... Um, is meaningful in and of itself before it has pragmatic use. Well, this is you know, this is exactly where I was going. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just taking this in as if it's fresh for me. Uh, maybe because it is. I don't know. But uh, I'm thinking this sounds totally impractical. Mm-hmm. And so modern person is thinking, yeah. I don't need this. Sure. I don't want this. This is actually opposed to what I should be doing. Because sure. it's not a, you used the word pragmatic right at the end. And I was thinking this is impractical. Right. Which is a similar word, right? Right. So what do you want to say to that? <laughs> well, a lot of the human life is impractical, right? Mm-hmm. So religion is re- rooted in leisure because it doesn't have a necessarily instrumental purpose. You, you can try to approach religion in that way. You can try to approach God as a, a series of 
check marks to check off, a, a, a series of transactional relationships to make with God. But that misunderstands the nature of grace. Mm. And grace is always about the stuff that's more than is necessary. Mm. Uh, I often say to my students, you have to eat. You need a certain amount of caloric intake. But food doesn't have to take, taste good. Mm. Um, it doesn't have to be sort of delightful. It doesn't have to be a thing that you share in a community. And so a lot of what the liberal arts are is is kind of reveling in the gratuitous excess of this world. Well, now you're speaking my language. Okay, now, <laughs> now I get it. Now I get it because uh, I can eat... Uh, fried it. Well, actually, I like the taste of eggs, but like you could just have eggs without any seasoning and whatever. You could just and you get the protein. I get the protein that I want, but uh, I would rather uh, put cheese on that. I'd rather get some cream on that. I'd rather get some other things going with some onions. And I mean, I want to get some flavor going on right. here. So if you're talking about not just the not just the practical, but the things that really bring. I mean, you're speaking my language. You're bringing bringing yeah. life. Another way to think about it too is that we're not robots, and sometimes we think about education as data in output you know mm -hmm. data out mm -hmm. uh, and that's not what education is we're not robots we're humans mm -hmm. and so the liberal arts are about helping us to see the world as it truly is in its gratuitousness mm -hmm. i mean creation is nothing but a gratuitous overflowing of the love of god and that's what the liberal arts helps us to explore and to understand sure you can get through life without doing this but it's not going to be a really deep human life if you do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what the liberal arts does is it ushers us in to this total gratuitousness that is the reality that we live in. So when we're talking liberal arts, I'm thinking lots of schools have this, but I could imagine that liberal arts look different depending on the worldview of a school. Like let's say there's, I don't know, maybe liberal arts, I don't know anything about education. Maybe I'll just put it out there. So these questions are real for me because uh, right, I have right. no idea what's going on. But right. like liberal arts, are they at every institution in the world? And like ours is just better at the University of Mary? Or like, what? Well, that's true. But, uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll maybe say you're going to have a version of the liberal arts at every school. We often sure. call it the core education or general ed requirements that sort of are things usually students think of as the things you need to get out of the way before you mm. onto your, get onto your major. Okay. Um, my primary field is English, and what that often looks like is writing instruction. Mm -hmm. um, but writing instruction at a secular institution is often going to be um, writing a research paper, yes, but then writing a cover letter, writing an email, a professional email. All of that is important, but it doesn't take into account how language is also a, a medium by which you express and name and know truth. And so how we approach it here and how it's connected to the Catholic view of education we have here is that we are trying to give students the skills that are necessary to thrive, but then also to help them see how much bigger they could go with mm -hmm. these skills, how That's much um, excess they can go into. So the, the bottom cap is the same, but the upper cap is quite different here because we're mm -hmm. connecting it to the Catholic view of the world. So Right. I think, too, one of the differences here is that we really come out of the uh, the Newman tra the Newman tradition. So St. John Henry Newman had this idea of the unity of knowledge, that each of the liberal arts reveals something about some aspect of truth, um, and that you know for Nathan when he's teaching English, that's some aspect of truth. When I'm teaching history, it's in order to access some aspect of truth, and so here we really see the liberal arts as uh, a portal, a gateway into some part of the truth. And that the more you look at the truth from all these different liberal arts angles, the better sense you'll have of the whole.
Okay, so uh, Newman uh, is just an example among many of this kind of thing, or like, well, how did the University of Mary land on Newman? Is there, is he just really popular right now, or uh, is, the, is there a particular gift that he brings? Sure. That's so. So there are at least three, probably four um, sources for Catholic studies. Um, mm-hmm. One is John Henry Newman. Another mm-hmm. is an important historian named Christopher Dawson, mm-hmm. who, who offers a vision of church history, particularly that is profound and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy named John Sr. who started mm-hmm. the Integrated Humanities Program at the University of Kansas. And his real contribution to the field is that what you do outside of the classroom is as important as what you do inside of the classroom. And, and mm-hmm. so it's about extracurricular programming as much as curriculum. And then Dr. Don Briel, who recently passed away a few years ago, um, started Catholic Studies as a field um, at the University of St. Thomas in, in Minnesota. Um, and he brought those three people together mm. and then added a kind of profound understanding of Newman. That's what his real scholarship was on. We settled on Newman because Newman's vision comes from the idea of the university. He wrote this series of lectures that was then published as a book that outlines what an ideal university ought to be. And because mm. we're a university, it makes sense for us <laughs> to sort of follow that model. We incorporate, we incorporate the others along the way as um, needed and as useful, but Newman's idea of the church kind of, uh, excuse me, of the university arising out of the church and integrating all these fields of knowledge into one cohesive university, as the root word implies, a unified vision of the world, um, because it's one truth we're naming through the various disciplines. Sure. He's just the best explicator of that. Yeah. Yeah. And he was really coming in this long tradition in the West of the liberal arts. He just happens to be a very good spokesperson for the liberal arts in a modern world in which the liberal arts seem to be less and less useful, less and less practical. He begins to make this argument that, no, this is essential for us as humans to be able to do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. uh, A protective or a recovery of the fullness of who we are as a human. That's right. That's right. That's really good. Well, we're going to, everybody, we're talking with Dr. Amber Durer and Dr. Nathan Kilpatrick here at the University of Mary. We're talking about uh, liberal arts. I'm getting an education today (laughs) at the university. (laughs) So everybody else out there is getting an education as well. We'll take a break here, uh, but then we'll come back and we'll talk about some some of the benefits of of, uh, keeping liberal arts focused on in a, in a healthy way and uh, having them serve their purpose <laughs> practically, <laughs> as impractical as they are. So anyway, stay with us here at the uh, University of Mary. This is Real Presence Live. We'll be right back after this break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Have you ever worried about someone's salvation, especially one who died by suicide? I'm Father Chris Alar. Sometimes the state of their soul seems to cause us fear for their eternal fate. They die in what seems to be a hopeless state of sin and unrepentance. However, Jesus says in 1698 of the Diary of St. Faustina that what looks hopeless to us is in fact not so. 
He says that many times the soul illuminated by a ray of his final grace turns to him in the last moment to receive complete forgiveness of all sin and punishment, although we see no external signs of this. Wow. We can see why Jesus said that divine mercy is mankind's last hope of salvation. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hello, everybody. This is Father Vasek, your host for today, Real Presence Live. I'm delighted to be with you. We are in the midst of our first segment, talking to Dr. Ambrodeur and Dr. Nathan Kilpatrick here at the University of Mary. They both are professors who are uh, involved in the Catholic Studies program, which we understood uh, at the beginning what that was, which is great, because uh, now I'm, I'm getting my education, which is really wonderful. Actually, I think I'm part of this group, Catholic <laughs> Studies Fellows you, or something you, like yes, that. And you I, are. You're on the email list. <laughs> yeah, I'm on a lot of email lists, and so I don't look at, I, I briefly look at a, a number of them. I will pretend I did not hear that. <laughs> I'm going to join you this week for something. There's something going on. I'm going to yes. join you on. I'm delighted. Okay. I teach. I teach a one-credit course one semester of the year in the Catholic studies, and so I feel like I'm pretty insignificant. <laughs> but um, anyway, we are talking about liberal arts. We are learning about liberal. I am learning about liberal arts. Uh, we just spoke a little bit about Newman. Um, now we want to talk about um, the the pragmatic purpose of this impragmatic reality Mm -hmm. the the corrective nature of the liberal arts Um, Mm -hmm. so who wants to who wants to begin this uh, conversation yeah so this is maybe a good transition from Newman Newman in his idea of a university has a section in there about the relationship between what he calls the liberal arts and the professional schools well we have a bunch of professional schools here we have health sciences business education these things that have a clear job as their end uh, Mm -hmm. in, in mind Our program here kind of is designed to be a supplement to whatever else you study. We don't really want students coming in only getting a major or a minor in Catholic studies. We want them to have job skills. Uh, We would like them to have a job when they're done. We would like them um, to be gainfully employed and maybe donate some money back to us, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Very Uh, practical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the idea is that... It doesn't need to be an either-or choice, um, because if you're going to do this liberal arts basis, or if you're going to do this Catholic studies major or minor, it should inform and influence how you're doing your business work. It should transform how you're being a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is because, uh, so if you go to even to the Vatican II documents, stuff like Lumen Gentium or Gaudium et Spes, when they talk about what the laity is supposed to do in the world, the, the laity is actually really tasked with transforming the world mm-hmm. and bringing it into the kingdom of God. And so we need people in all different fields um, 
having a robust vision of what the church is, what their place within the church is, and how to begin to do that work of redemption. And so Catholic studies is a way they can do that by mm-hmm. learning their own tradition. Right, right. And the liberal arts in general, too, giving that more humane sort of uh, rounding out to what is otherwise a very technical sort of approach to education. So, um, you know, when you're learning, when you're studying accounting, it's very technical. Um, and we want to train good accountants, but we want them to be good human accountants who are ethical, who, um, who have a sense of, of themselves, of God, of the world, and the importance of their work in it. Uh, mm-hmm. That they, you know, in being good ethical accountants are actually partic- participating in the redemption of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, as a nurse, you know, or as a teacher... Uh, in these helping professions, that not only are you technically skilled and proficient and excellent, um, but that through your liberal arts training, or e- and and maybe even through your Catholic studies training, you are not only a good nurse, but you have a humane understanding of the person, um, grounded in the Catholic tradition, and that that overflows into your teaching, into your nursing practice, um, and so that's what we're aiming for here. Um, at the university, and this is how the liberal arts can kind of um, balance out, or what Newman says, correct. Um, you know the you know the the technical tendencies that we have um, in in professional schools. We want we don't want just great technicians. Um, we want them to be great, but we also want them to be wonderful, well-rounded humans. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll, I'll pick up on that last part. It, there's just so much in our world right now that asks us to think of each other in terms of a really reductive set of demographic data. Mm-hmm. What's, what's their socioeconomic background? What's their race? What's their gender? All of these things are important, but they're not all of what you are. And so if we have a nurse um, who understands her patients not as a series of diseases that are being treated, but as a whole human person who might want to talk about what they're going through or might need a particular sense of care where the nurse knows that person as a person, then we'll have done our job because Mm -hmm. we want them to have the technical skill to be that great nurse, but we want them to also recognize themselves as human persons and their patients as human persons so that that exchange isn't just transaction. It's potentially transformative and redemptive. And and, yeah. Yeah. Man, there's a lot of things going through my mind right now. This is so good. This is so good. I mean, so at a baseline, uh, the the hope is that you can rehumanize uh, the 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 technical mm-hmm. training, mm-hmm. Um, but not just rehumanize. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. humanize and divinize. Right. I mean, if we're talking revelation, right? So, Absolutely. Which is which is great. So uh, walk me through practically here. Um, if someone's listening and they're like, I don't, I still don't quite grasp what this is all about. A, a student who comes here, uh, they might want to get a major in Catholic studies because they might mm-hmm. think this is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're saying, yeah, it is the best thing ever, possibly. But like, there's it, not a job. What, what like what would the job be? Even I don't know. No, but um, a professor of Catholic studies maybe is <laughs> a pretty limited right. pool. Um, but you're you're telling these students that are coming here, or how many students want to do this? I mean, that's the first question, I guess. Like, are we talking a lot of students, or not that many? Or? Well, um, I want to back up a little bit um, because how we think about education today is radically different from how it has been understood for millennia. Okay. (laughs) Um, uh, We have come to think of education as a series of classes that we take in order to obtain a certificate um, and get a career, right? Um, But education traditionally understood 
was about the formation of the person, the deep formation, not only of their intellectual life, but of their moral life, their spiritual life. And so there's a lot more going on in a classroom than just data, mm-hmm. right? Than just conveying information. Um, a, a classroom in a true liberal arts institution that's aiming towards the truth should be transforming their students, not just simply slinging content or data at them for them to just, you know, kind of process and regurgitate. Um, so when we understand, um, you know, perhaps perhaps getting a degree in the liberal arts, um, we're, we're looking at formation, um, the formation of the person. Um, and it was cl- classically understood, like if you went to Oxford and you got a degree in history, it, it, nobody thought, okay, this person is going to go on to be a history professor. They thought this person is going to go on to be a banker. This person is going to go on um, to be, to, you know, maybe to work in business, uh, maybe, you know, go on to work in art and design. Um, they didn't look at uh, the liberal arts as a career path. That's new. That's modern, really. Um, for them, you go to you go to Oxford or, or you go to the University of Mary. <laughs> Should I put us up there with Oxford? Sure. Yeah. Same thing. Same Why thing. not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that but the goal was the same, right? The formation of the person, so that you can go out into the world, take that formation, and transform whatever line of work you you end up. Uh, pursuing so maybe it's publishing maybe it's copy editing you know maybe it's law maybe you know um, any number of different kinds of things but you're bringing that formation into that profession and you're transforming that profession from within Mm -hmm. great thank you for taking us back through that so i still want to get to my practical question though doctor which is like who who does this between majors and minors i i think we have about 150 to 200 students enrolled in a variety of, in either a major or minor. We have a lot more minors than we do majors because with professional uh, professional schools, it's just a little easier to fit in the minor. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majors are mostly sort of combined with others. Uh, we have a master's program that we're enrolling graduate students into um, to be developing their careers. Some of those are working as teachers. Some of those are working as directors of religious education. Some of those are going to go on to graduate school and transform the academic world mm-hmm. from within. Um, or other questions? <laughs> no, no. This is this is really helpful. I mean, that we any student can be can mm-hmm. take this. It yeah, doesn't matter what it is. A yeah. student can come here to the University of Mary and say, "I want to be a coach. I want to be a dentist. I want to be whatever I want to be." Um, but I'm going to enroll in this as a to make sure that my education is full. Right. I right. F- full. Yeah. Grant. Yeah. So you're yeah. you're coming here for our pre dental program. Um, you're, you're majoring in biology, you're concentrating in pre-dental, and you're doing Catholic studies as a minor alongside that because you know that you're going to be working with humans mm-hmm. and you want, to, um, you want to become the best, most humane, holy dentist mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Catholic studies is a way for you to situate your, bio, your study of biology, your study of dentistry, in you know in in the larger in the larger world great yeah one of the great sort of things that happens every year dr birder is teaching our senior capstone and that's for the catholic studies majors all of whom are a double major in something else presenting a kind of integrative work with their other major in catholic studies and so you'll see nurses proposing um K 
care plans for patients rooted mm-hmm. in the insights from Mother Teresa. Right. Or you'll see um, uh, different business majors bringing in insights from um, yeah. the patron saint of the unemployed <laughs> who I prayed to when I was on the job search. And I said, Cayetan, St. Cayetan, who uh, they'll just be bringing together this intellectual tradition from their primary discipline, the job they want to go into, and the whole richness of the Catholic intellectual world. And so... To see them make these connections is exactly what we want. We don't have a prescribed, here is what business and Catholic studies look like. It's not only ethics, it's also ethics. It's also the consideration of your clients as real human people and how you change practices and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we are excited with any other major on campus for them to begin to combine things with Mm -hmm. that intellectual tradition. And we learn so much from them, too. Yeah, it's wonderfully exciting to see what they present. That's great. I know some of uh, the scholar athletes that I work with are are working on their capstones because they're they're involved yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> paying attention to what they're up to, which is great. Yeah. Well, we're basically out of time, but uh, Dr. Bordeaux, Dr. Fitzpatrick, uh, thanks so much for being with us. Is there mm-hmm. any last thoughts you'd like to leave with us? Boy, uh, where to start? Uh, education is about formation. It's about the whole person. It's not just about your brain. You're not a brain in a jar. You're not a robot. You're a person. And God has a plan for that. And the proper end of knowledge is the knowledge of God. And yeah. so your education ought to be a way to connect you with God. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you both for being with us, everybody. We are going to stay here at the University of Mary. Our next segment will be with another professor here, which is just so lovely, because uh, I get to stay inside and stay warm. Uh, I guess, I suppose, if I go somewhere else, I'm still sitting inside staying warm. But <laughs> anyway, we will be traveling in the second hour to other parts of the world, so that's what I meant. We will take a break here, and we'll be back just after this. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 